Today, here on Cincy Business Talk with Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. We'll be talking to business leaders about how they have grown their businesses and people. We discuss new strategies, tactics, and philosophies which lead to positive growth in our marketplace. Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training by Roth & Associates. Each week, we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area top executives about their tools and insights. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems which challenge all of us are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth. Thanks, Scott. This is Mike Roth. I'm here with Zachary Green, the CEO and founder of MN8 Firefox, and his national sales manager, Tom Bauer. Thanks for joining us today, guys. Thank you. Before we get started, let me tell everyone about a couple of upcoming shows. Tomorrow's show is a live show with Bill Burney. He's the president of BSI Engineering. They're a failure analysis engineering firm. I, I guess we'll talk more about that tomorrow. Next week, we're going to have Scott Davis from uh, Penklor. They're the single largest buyer of single-family residential homes in the Cincinnati-Hamilton County marketplace. They have over 300. Then we're going to have Steve Roding of Roding Insurance. He runs a insurance brokerage agency in northern Kentucky. Then we're going to have Kevin Cummings from Battery. Then we're going to have Patrick Clements from Pinnacle Solutions Group. And we're going to have a telecommunications consultant, Sean Fox, who's going to talk about how to perhaps cut your telecommunications costs or how he helps people cut their telecommunications costs 30 to 50%. Another consultant, Bob Tate from Axiom Consulting. Then on June 27th, Wendell Bell from Enerfab. He's the CEO. They're a company that manufactures steel vessels. I call them like beer brewing things made out of barrels that made out of stainless steel and they fix power plants. We've got a lot of other interesting guests coming on later, but let me tell everyone a little bit about Zachary Green, president and founder of MN8 Firefox. Zach, how did you happen to come up with this name, MN8? Well, it's actually MN8 Foxfire. Uh, MN8 is because our products don't glow in the dark. They actually emanate light. Light pushes out from them. And Foxfire is actually a bioluminescent mushroom that's found in Mother Nature. It's a mushroom that actually glows in the dark. Uh, it's been uh, shown in uh, records of all the way back to the 1400s. The Norwegians would take the Foxfire mushrooms and place them out into the forest when they were foraging late at night. It was used in Tom Sawyer to illuminate the cave when they were walking through the cave. And we went ahead and stole the idea from Mother Nature with the name Foxfire uh, because our products also um, illuminate light. Well, that's a, that, that's a great story how you came up with the name. You were responsible for uh, creating the company and overseeing strategic growth. You developed the breakthrough and illumination safety products for firefighters and industrial safety workers. In 2010, Zach was working in the pharmaceutical industry and serving as a volunteer firefighter when he discovered a way to apply advanced technology, photoluminescence technologies to firefighting products. So you were a, a detail man in the drug rep, huh? I was. Okay, good. You began developing these products with, with other firefighters, and you got a, a positive feedback. What was the first product that you actually 
brought to market. Actually, the first product was our illuminating helmet. It was a uh, silicone band that wore around our helmets that included our advanced photoluminescent technology. Um, a lot of fires typically wear black heavy-duty rubber helmet bands to hold everything from flashlights on their helmets to door wedges to screwdrivers and nails. And the problem with those is they catch on fire. That's not something you necessarily want on a fireman's helmet. Mm-hmm. So our products are not only non-combustible, but they use the incredible Emanate Fox Fire technology to illuminate the surrounding areas so firefighters can see each other and they can reduce disorientation. So you founded the company on a product that was safer than rubber bands around helmets to hold utensils. Firefighters are some of the most innovative people you'll ever meet in your life. We're always trying to find ways to improve on existing things that are out there. Mm-hmm. You started the company by selling product out of the back of your car. The, the trunk of my car and my garage until my wife evict me, evicted me out of the garage, and we ended up about 18 months ago having our first office. Mm-hmm. Now you're in an expanded facility with 40,000 feet. Did I get that right? No, we have over uh, 40,000 firefighters. Oh, yes. 25 different countries have been using our products just in our first 18 months. Mm-hmm. So you, you've had a, a, a phenomenal escalation of sales in the first year and a half. Almost a little too fast, but we've done a great job of trying to keep up with that demand. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2013, you were named by the Ohio Chamber of Commerce as the Entrepreneur of the Year. That's a fantastic award. It was a great honor. Mm-hmm. Do you manufacture your products here in uh, the Cincinnati market? We've got an ecosystem of several different uh, manufacturers. Some here are in the Cincinnati area, and some are uh, throughout the rest of the United States. So all of the product is actually made in America. That's one thing we feel very strongly on. We're, we're firefighters. We believe in made America products. That's good. Before you were in the pharmaceutical business, you were in the software sales for 10 years. So you've had some experience, and you're an ex-Marine. Former Marine. Former Marine. Yes. That's correct. You never give up being a Marine. That's correct. That's a funny story. My my oldest client is 82, and he's a former Marine. <laughs> the next doctor went into a uh, multi-level business for skincare. Interesting. I always tell people I was in the when they ask me when I was in the Marines, I tell them it was 50 pounds ago. <laughs> well, for a lot of us, it's 50. <laughs> those those younger years were 50 pounds ago. So you're you, in your spare time, you enjoy uh, the outdoors. And you enjoy camping with your son. Correct. His name is Bryce. He's nine years old. He's a great uh, camping buddy. Okay, that's good. Just out of curiosity, since we had uh, uh, Tom, the head of uh, Dan Beard Council of Boy Scouts, on the show, is he a Boy Scout too? Absolutely. He just got his uh, bear patch, and we're going to be moving into Weebelows next. Great, great. I hope Tom hears that. (laughs) Why don't you tell us a little bit more about your company? Sure. And how you got there. Sure. Well, I, I've been in sales my whole entire life, Mike. When I was three, four years old, I would go door to door, try to sell stuff out of my house that would upset my mother, but I was honing my sales skills at that time. Um, got out of college, and my first uh, job in the real world was selling life insurance, straight commission. And I'm a firm believer that if you can be successful selling life insurance, you can be successful selling anything. From there, I moved into the software industry and sold everything from multi-million dollar software packages to billion dollar companies and got up uh, during the whole dot-com explosion and got to work with some really incredible platforms and was traveling quite a bit, so made the change into the pharmaceutical industry. In the pharmaceutical industry, as you said, we we started out as detail guys, and and I always had a real issue with that. And I ended up having the privilege to not only move from sales to sales management, but I got to do some strategy and development work. Where at uh, my company, one of the top three uh, pharmaceutical companies out there, I helped uh, re-change the the sales methodology to be more value-based and less detail-based. So I had a lot of experience branding and, and marketing and building, and I also joined the fire department. 
And as I was saying before, firefighters are incredibly innovative people, but they typically don't know how do you market things, how do you sell things, and how do you distribute things. You can have the greatest product in the world. If you don't have good sales and marketing behind it, you're never going to sell anything. It's, it's vitally important. And laying on the couch one day, watching a special on building construction, mm-hmm. and they were talking about the truck bombing that occurred at the World Trade Towers back in 93. Mm-hmm. And there were several people that died that day, not from the explosion, but from heart attacks and panic attacks that occurred when they had to go down 110 stories of complete darkness. Now, you may say, well, wait a second, didn't they have backup lighting systems and backup batteries in their exits? Well, yeah, they did. And if you don't replace those batteries every six months, like most people don't, they don't work, and that's what happened in, in the World Trade Towers. New York City said, we've got to do a better way of protecting our citizens. And they started looking to Europe that had been using this incredible advanced photoluminescent technology. It's like a glow-in-the-dark on steroids, basically. Mm-hmm. And they started putting that in the stairwells. And when 9-11 occurred, we talked a lot about the people that died that day. But what we don't talk about is the fact there was over 30,000 people that got out of those buildings before they came down. Now, the main reason was my 343 brothers from the New York Fire Department that, that lost their lives that day. But another reason was this technology. And as I was saying, I was sitting down at the fire station a couple of days after watching the show, looking around at all those black rubber helmet bands on helmets, and I said, boy, I wonder if we could come up with something to use that same technology that was in the World Trade Towers, put it on the fireman's helmet. Mm-hmm. So I had my first prototype made up. I wear it into a fire. I'm pulling the ceiling down, and the guys behind me that are supposed to be putting the wet stuff on the red stuff, the engine team, mm-hmm. they start playing with my helmet. So as we finally put the fire out, everybody outside started throwing $20 bills at me and asking if they could buy one of these helmet bands. Now, this was October of 2010 when this happened. Mm-hmm. So I made up another dozen, and out of the trunk of my car, which sell them from one station to another station, I was still working full-time at my pharmaceutical job and doing this on nights and weekends. And over time, I kept getting more and more. And I think over about six months, Mike, I sold about $5,000 worth of product. Finally, uh, sat down with uh, my fire chief, who I have a lot of respect for, and he said, Zach, I don't think you appreciate what you're doing here. You have a product that could truly revolutionize the firefighting industry, but you got to spend more time than just nights and weekends. So I had a conversation with my wife that night that was kind of heated, and which I told her we were going to max out the credit cards, take every penny in our life savings, and refinance our house, and we were going to buy a booth at this trade show that was coming up in a few months in Indianapolis called FDIC. It's the largest trade show in all of Indiana. It's the largest fire trade show in, in the world. And we went ahead and got a booth. I had a couple of my firefighter brothers help me out, and we sold out of everything within the first two hours of the three-day trade show. And the next month, we did $85,000 in sales. Wow. And that was really the start of Foxfire at that time. That was only about uh, about two years ago. And those first products, besides the fire helmet band, what else were, the, were there? We have a, um, a paint product. It's actually a illuminating epoxy, and um, it's extremely expensive. So rather than selling it by the gallon, we sell it in little tiny kits. So you can do five or six of your tools at a time. You can paint it on the stairs. You can paint it on even on the fire truck itself to help see it at nighttime. Those were our first two products. Now we have probably somewhere over 50 to 70 different products right now that we're selling. Mm. And they're all in this same family of four firefighters or safety workers. And it's the all encompassing in this photoluminescence. That's correct. Anytime, you know, I, we had a saying in the Marine Corps that anything with batteries or electricity is going to fail when you need it most. Correct. And the same thing happens, uh, I'm sure, in, in the radio, and it also happens on the fire ground. So we're not your primary line of defense. We're your last line of defense. Our products are designed so when everything else fails, you're still going to have that great emanation, that that glow that's coming off of our products. 
to help you. For firefighters, it helps increase visibility, it helps reduce um, disorientation, it helps increase accountability. But one thing that we're starting to do now is we're starting to migrate from not just by firefighters for firefighters, but our new slogan now is by firefighters for firefighters and those we protect. And we're starting to get into the egress field that includes everything from exit signs to egress signs to uh, identifying floor numbers inside of a stairwell to even illuminating the stairwell itself with products that go on the stair nosings and on the railings. Well, that's great. That's great. Uh, Zach, you, it's, it is okay for you to take questions, correct? Absolutely. So, as usual, if you're listening and you want to ask Zach or Tom a question, the number is 646-595-4916. Let me ask you one more question before we, we take a commercial break. What is the most popular of the 50 products that you sell today? Well, I would say probably our first product is still our most popular product, and that is the Illuminating Helmet Band. It is, is absolutely, every trade show we go to, it's our highest uh, volume product that we sell. Hmm. But the great thing about it, it's not just limited to firefighter helmets. You can put on a motorcycle helmet, you can put on a bicycle helmet, you can put on a construction hard hat. Uh, there's a lot of different uh, versatility, a lot of different options with that product. Good. We're going to take a short commercial break. We're going to listen to Jimmy Fox talk about the Tip Club, which is what one of the things I sponsor here in Cincinnati. The next Tip Club meeting is Thursday, June 20th at 7.30 a.m. Jimmy, tell everyone about Tip Club. Hi, I'm Jimmy Fox of Tip Club. Tip Club is a professional networking organization whose members help each other succeed. We meet once per month and provide a forum where business-to-business professionals are able to connect with more desirable opportunities and build long-term strategic partnerships. I'm inviting Cincinnati Business Talk listeners to come to our free networking event. You'll have the opportunity to meet new people, share leads and referrals, and grow your business through strategic alliances. Membership in our Cincinnati group is open to only one person per specific trade or occupation. Business-to-business professionals only, please. We do not accept multi-level marketing or recruiting-driven memberships. This is our only group in Cincinnati. We'll meet on the third Thursday of the month from 7.30 to 9 a.m. at Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, 4357 Ferguson Drive, Cincinnati, Ohio. To reserve a seat please go to www.tipclub.com and click on the Events tab at the top of the page. Then, just scroll down the list until you come to the Cincinnati event. Or you may call 800-798-0270. That's 1-800-798-0270. Thank you, and we look forward to seeing you at our next networking event. Mike Roth with Zach Green and Tom Bauer. Uh, Zach, before we get started in this segment, why don't you tell everyone how they can get a hold of uh, Emanate Firefox or you, Foxfire, uh, or Tom after the show is over? Sure. Uh, Tom can be reached directly at our office at 513-761-7614. And you can also always find us on the internet at www.emanatefoxfire. That's M as in Mike, N as in November, the number 
foxfire.com. And we also have a very strong presence on Facebook under Emanate Foxfire. Mm-hmm. You have a LinkedIn page as well? LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Google+. We are big fans of uh, social networking and social media. That's a huge uh, reason for our success and our rapid growth is because of those different types of uh, systems that are out there. So that's really working for you? Tremendously well. Good, good. Uh, Sandler is a big believer in uh, LinkedIn. In fact, at our last uh, client summit, we had uh, the head of global sales from LinkedIn come out and give a talk, give some, give us some new ideas. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, how you go to market? Sure. There was a um, great lecture. Um, I, I love watching the TED Talks. I don't know if you ever get a chance to watch. Oh them. yeah, those are some of them are fantastic. Aren't Tremendous. They? And one really TED.com. Yes, TED.com. One of the ones that really struck with me was one by Michael Dell. And uh, Michael Dell, we all know from Dell Computers, but what he did wasn't just create a great computer. Back to my original comment, it doesn't matter how good your product is. What matters is how good your distribution, your marketing, your sales is. And what Michael Dell did, he used something back in the 90s that no one really heard of called the Internet. And he created a system that you could actually custom and build your own computer on the Internet and have it shipped to you. And he said there were three things that made companies successful. The first C is the content. So in his case, it was the PC. He said the problem is if you focus so much time on just the content, someone's going to find something that's better, cheaper, faster. The second C that a lot of people focus on is the commerce, how you sell what you sell. In his case, he used the Internet, but there's other different venues out there of commerce, be it a shopping mall, be it some type of uh, direct sales program. Those are different areas. But again, the problem with just focusing so much on commerce is someone else can go in there, too. And so as Dell kind of pioneered the, the way with the Internet to buy computers, Gateway quickly came in there and started taking market share. He mm-hmm. said the companies that spend the time on that third C, they're the ones that are going to see real success. And that third C is the community. And he said that when you can focus on building a community and not really focus on your product or how you sell your product, but building a community, that's where the future is. And so we talked about the success we've seen in social media. It's because of that community that's out there. And I'd love to turn that over to my national sales manager, Tom Bauer, and tell him, have him tell you a little bit about how we're trying to grow a community with the firefighters. Yeah, thanks, Zach. Um, yes, we have a, uh, an independent firefighter sales network called Boots on the Street. Uh, as Zach said, these are uh, firefighters out there. These are full-time, part-time volunteer firefighters uh, really in their local communities. And what they do uh, is they go out and represent Emanate Foxfire to uh, really just not sell anything, really just to present the product to these local fire stations. Mm-hmm. And when they present the product that firefighters buy. Well, and, from your experience at the trade shows. Absolutely. And, and what's really cool about this is the fact that when they go into these fire stations, what, what really helps uh, these firefighters is when, when really, because to truly understand and appreciate our products, you have to take these firefighters into dark rooms, you know, as, and, mm-hmm. and really see the product illuminate. So that's what we train them on doing is really just going in and, again, not trying to sell anything, but just really just showing the guys the products. Uh, and typically what happens is they see the product, they see the value, uh, and understand that it could really could, truly could be life-saving. So, mm-hmm. And that's typically what happens. Yeah, nobody wants to be sold something. They want to have the opportunity to buy something. And People need to discover they need to buy. That, that, that's Sandler 101. It's a discovery process. I'm a firm believer. And what happens is we have to show them that we're not selling something, but we're solving a problem for you. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of times people don't know they have a problem. So the first step in that cycle is show them what that problem is. And what firefighters is we're so used to working in very dark environments that we don't even realize that's a problem. 
So what we train our boots on the street team, our independent firefighter sales network, is talk to them about the fact that, that when things are dark, you get increased disorientation. You lose your tools. You lose each other. And here's an opportunity to use Foxfire as a solution to that problem. And we tell them, don't try to sell this stuff. Just talk from one brother to another brother. Hey, this is something that's going to help you out. What we're doing for the next phase of our company is we're now taking those same firefighters that have been selling to those other firefighters and helping them, and we're having them go into industry and going into to schools, into hospitals, into sports arenas, and have those same conversations and say, hey, sir, if the power goes out in the sports arena, how are your people going to find their way out? Why don't you use the same technology that us firefighters use, and we can put this on the stairwells and replace the exit signs with this and put this on the hand railings so that when the power goes out, you'll be able to see how to easily vacate. You know, I've been around for a few years, and I've noticed exit signs, and they always seem to be illuminated red signs. Is that the fire code that says they have to be red? It's the fire code, and it's a stupid code, and I'll go on the record to say that. And there's two reasons. Number one, red means stop. Green means go. So the we should first thing we should do is we should have all exercises in green. And by the way, they do this in Europe. The second stupid thing that our fire code has out there with the exit signs is they put them up high above the door. And mm-hmm. I can tell you, Fire Science 101, smoke rises. As that smoke starts to rise up in that building, it's going to block that fire uh, exit, and you're not going to be able to see that exit. You're not going to be able to see the sign. Correct. That's why airlines put the little white lights at the floor to the exit. You got it. And, and they're actually starting to use our technology to do that with the photoluminescent technology. I bet that's cheaper than the electric lights they're putting in. And it's more reliable. And when you go to Europe, you'll see that all their exit signs are not only green, they're also six inches off the floor. Because if that hotel's on fire, you're going to be crawling around. You're not going to be standing up in the smoke, and you want to see it. So one of the things, again, our firefighter sales network does is they go into these companies, and they consult. And they say, hey, here's the problem. Yes, we're not going to tell you to stop doing the fire code. You can't stop doing the fire code. It's a law. Mm-hmm. But we're going to tell you how to do something even safer by putting these extra signs down low and making those signs green. And putting running man signs that show which direction to go down that stairwell. Because some stairwells don't go down. They may go up a floor to go over to another landing that goes down two stories. And, again, that's where our team comes in is trying to find a better way of doing things. A few years ago, uh, our Rotary Club downtown bought the, every company of Cincinnati Fire a infrared camera so they could see victims uh, through the smoke-filled rooms. Uh, my question for you, Zach, is how does uh, – your illuminescent product work in a smoke-filled room? Well, well let's address those, those cameras first because I, I use those almost every time I go into a fire, and they work excellent when they work. Again, anything with batteries or electricity is going to fail when you need it most. And I've been in multiple situations where I've needed And they're getting camera, older now. And they're getting older where that thing's not worked. The answer to your question is you can't see anything in black smoke, and firefighters work in multiple different smoke environments. Most firefighters shouldn't be going into a building that black smoke is pouring out of it because that's telling us, hey, that's probably something we're going to handle more of a defensive attack than an offensive attack. But in the, in the white smokes and the, the steams and some of those yellow smokes, our products are very visible. Green cuts through that smoke a lot better than the white of your flashlight does. And the other thing is there's something called refraction. The best way to explain refraction is if you take a flashlight and turn it on, you can't see the beam. But if you put a clear glass of water on top of that flashlight, it illuminates that whole water because the wa- the light refracts around those water crystals. Mm-hmm. The same thing happens in smoke with our products. The glow, the emanation of our green glow actually refracts off of those smoke and steam particles, and you get almost a halo effect. So it's not lighting up just the helmet band or the tool. It's lighting up some areas around that also. Mm-hmm. So if uh, kids' pajamas had a collar made out of 
your green luminescent uh, material, uh, the kids would be easier to find in a, in a fire? Well, not only would they be easy to find a fire, but we do have a whole line of illuminating T-shirts that have been tremendous sellers for us. The only problem, we've had some complaints because when the uh, parents call us up angry the next day because their kids wear them at night, they put their they, they pull the covers over their head and they sit up and laugh and giggle because it lights up the whole entire area under their covers. So <laughs> we don't recommend wearing your shirts at nighttime. We don't recommend wearing them in the movie theater because people keep coming up to you in the middle of the movie and tell you to turn your darn shirts off. <laughs> they think it's electronic. Correct. That's, that's interesting. How much uh, light does a, one of your photoluminescent strips need to be exposed to to be fully active? Well, we always say the brighter the light, the brighter the glow. The longer mm-hmm. the light, the longer the glow. Now, five minutes is maybe 10 minutes is the maximum charge. But if you took one of our products, put it in direct sunlight for five or 10 minutes, it could glow anywhere between 10 to 30 hours, depending on which product we're talking about. 10 to about. 30 hours. Correct. And it only takes a second or two to recharge back up again. Now, in a normal situation, 60-watt light bulb inside of a stairwell of a building, those lights are on all the time, the power goes out. You're going to have really good glow for the first couple of hours, and it's still going to be visible for up to uh, a dozen or two hours after that. So, in other words, a fireman's got his helmet hanging up in the station uh, in the middle of the night. They go out in the coal. The station is illuminated, fluorescent light, whatever. His helmet will be illuminated for how long? Uh, yeah, five to ten hours. Wow. On something like that, but in a typical situation, just as the, let's say the helmet didn't get any charge and, and there was no glow coming off of it, mm-hmm. just by the fact when that firefighter walks past that fire truck and happens to pass in front of the, the headlight beams, or most fire operator drivers will turn on all the lights of the fire truck when they get to the scene to light up the area, kind of similar to the stadium lights you may see at a sports arena. Sure, sure. That light right there within those five to ten seconds it takes me to get off the truck and pull that hose to the front door, put that ladder up we'll get a decent charge that will carry it way through the time that I'm inside that fire. Okay, so that's really a fast charge, and there's no batteries. Correct. And you can make it any shape you want. Any shape we can put it. Now, there's some things we can't put the products into, but we're looking at all different types of products that we can put it into from, again, the epoxy paints, silicone, vinyl, silkscreen ink. Uh, we're experimenting with lots of different things. We, we constantly want to come up with new, innovative products to keep getting uh, our customers something new to purchase you know, the reason Procter & Gamble does so well is everything Procter & Gamble sells, you have to buy another one of them. They're all consumables. Mm-hmm. You can't do that for firefighters. If we made a helmet band that you have to buy a new one every time that you went into a fire, we wouldn't be in business that long. Right. So our helmet bands, we basically say they're going to last as long as that helmet's going to last. So are they warranty? Well, we, we do. There's no warranty you can put on anything that goes inside of a burning building. But I will tell you, we replace every single uh Every single one of our products that comes out there, if there's a if there's a problem, and I, I've never had a situation other than intentional damage where we've had a failure with our products. Mm-hmm. So are firefighters painting their, their their name or their number on the uh, their their coats, their uniforms? They don't actually paint on the uniform. There's some regulations where you're not allowed to do that, but they paint their tools with it. Um, we have the the helmet bands and the stickers they put on their helmets. We're looking at other materials that could be attached to the uniform or, or safety vests. One of the challenges with this product is there's so many different things you can do with it. Everyone says, why don't you make running vests out of it? And why don't you make uh, keychains out of it? And we'll get there eventually, but we want to stay really focused. We have a very good strategy that we've put in place and a, and a product uh, roadmap that we want to execute to. Boots? Um, uh, boots are something. We do have a couple people that have painted the edges of their boots with it, and we've looked at those options too. So kind of illum- would illuminate the floor then. Yeah. You know, 
It would, and that's exciting. But we, we don't want to get so wrapped up on the product. What, what really separates us and what is really our defendable strategy is the fact that we're building this firefighter community by firefighters for firefighters. Where We've got 100 of them right now all throughout the country. We expect to have 1,000 of these direct firefighter uh, part of our, our boots on the street network over the next couple of years. And when we've got 1,000 of these people out there, they can not only talk about how great Foxfire is for other firefighters, but they can go out there and go into your school or your nursing home or your hospital or your sports arena and talk about how the same technology can help civilians. Gee, that, that's really great. Uh, earlier, you, you mentioned uh, the words trusted advisor. Uh, firefighters selling to other firefighters, they automatically become trusted advisors. I think there's no compliment I could give one of my sales reps when I was in the pharmaceutical industry and the sales industry than saying, hey, you're a trusted advisor. Your job is to solve problems. And again, I don't want people to think that we're trying to sell stuff. We're trying to make sure that they know that we are trusted advisors to help them solve a problem. Good. We're going to be taking another commercial break. Uh, if you want to ask Zach uh, or Tom a question, you can call in at five. I'm sorry. Call in at 646-595-4916. We're going to listen to the Sandler rap. Yo, you salesmen are all the same You don't care about my needs, you don't care about my pain You think about yourself, you think it's all a game You don't ask my opinion, you don't even know my name Salespeople come, and then they're gone They don't care about them, and they ain't there long Just ask for the info, and get the price now Check the competition, the better anyhow These guys are all talk, 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 it's a lie They don't say nothing but I, me, mine They sticky and they're selfish and they in my face Soon as I get rid of the one, more will take its place. They manipulate, trap, con, and control. They don't know, I'm the master of my soul. I have them running around till they dazed and confused. They shop it to others, I won't be abused. But wait, what's this? Another sales joke. Did he just give me permission to say no? Don't know what to think and I don't know what to say. What's the deal with this guy? It's not the sales way. Guess he hasn't learned how to play the sales game. Not too bright, he's probably not to blame. The boss sent him out without the first clue. I'll try to help him out and show him what to do. Now he asks a question, wait for me to tell. All about my world, my own private hell. They don't seem to care if I leave or buy. I don't know what to think of weird sales guys. I'm talking and I'm talking, I can't believe my ears I'm telling this guy my big bad fears I'm telling them things that I don't even know I'm letting down my guard and I'm putting on a show Can you help me please take the lead Can't you hear I'm hurting, see me bleed I'm ready to go, move on, proceed Did he just say it might not be what I need? Well I'll show him, I just gotta have his stuff Don't care what it costs or if it's tough I'm ready to sign, just show me how did he just ask what I want to do now? So I close the deal and feel real good. Gonna tell this guy about my brothers in the hood. Never ever send another salesman down my line. Gotta have my man, my advisor every time. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Zach Green and Tom Bauer. You guys are smiling during that Canadian Sandler commercial. Love it. That was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, it, and it's pretty true. Absolutely. I, I actually play that as the first one minute of every cold call camp that we do, because that tells the whole Sandler story. Uh, as you sit there, uh, what do you think the opportunities and possibilities are for your company? 
Well, that's the real exciting thing is is what we're trying to do here is not just focus on a product. We're trying to change the way that that the people live, work, and 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 experience uh, things in the day to day life. And the opportunity that we're trying to put out there is is first of all helping my brother firefighters out. It's absolutely key that we come up with products that are constantly going to make them safer. And, and, and Mike, I know you're, you're from Brooklyn. One of the very first people to give us a shot was a uh, fire company in FDNY based out of Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And when they came back and told us what a difference we were making, that really gave me the confidence to say, hey, this is real and, and we've got something here and, and move forward. And now we see over anywhere between 40 and 45,000 firefighters in 25 different countries are using our products. Now. In 25 different countries. So, as a matter of fact, we just signed up a, a, a Qatar, Qatar a fire department. Uh, I don't even know where Qatar is on a map. I know it's somewhere over in the Middle East. Middle East, yeah. And they found us, guess what, by Facebook. They found you on Facebook. They were sitting around, you know, a lot of, again, talking about that whole community. When we look at uh, those communities, those communities are Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Google+, all these other areas. When firefighters are sitting around, they need something to do. They're not fighting fire for 24 hours straight in the ship. Mm -hmm. They've got some downtime, and they build that community. So the possibilities are, again, empowering my brother firefighters to help each other out, make a couple bucks on the side, but then start to make that transition and and use them as brand ambassadors. So they're not just using the products, they're talking about how these products can help. Because at the end of the day, firefighters' jobs are to help save people's lives. Mm -hmm. And we can help it by putting fire out. But, you know, an ounce of uh, prevention is worth a pound of cure, right? And so what we're trying to do is, is say, hey, if there's a way we can get you out of that building faster and quicker and safer before we get there, that's going to help. And, and what these firefighters, these boots on the street members are doing is they're going in there and they're acting as trusted advisors that go into these buildings and say, hey, we're going to help you give you some analysis so you can use this incredible technology that we're using so you can help you get out of these buildings quicker, safer, and faster. Mm-hmm. So are, are you talking to property managers and building owners as well? Absolutely. I'll give you a specific example. We had a fire department that was interested. One of their young firefighters was in charge of uh, the purchasing committee. He ended up uh, uh, buying one of the helmet bands for himself. Mm -hmm. We signed him up as part of our Boots on the Street Independent Firefighter Sales Network. He then was able to sell to a couple other departments outside of his district, Mm -hmm. made a couple bucks. But he also happened to moonlight at one of the local sports arenas. And that sports arena has had some problems with um, not being able to see the stairs and some people had some trips and falls. Mm-hmm. And now he was able to negotiate close to a, a multi-hundred-thousand-dollar deal for us to put our products into the sports arena. Now, he's going to make his 10% commission off of that deal, which is a pretty hefty uh, commission. And through that sports arena, we're going to be able to go ahead and replicate that same process in other sports arenas throughout the country. Well. I guess I don't understand how a sports arena would specifically use your glow-in-the-dark product. Well, that, that's a great question. So we just had something called the Super Bowl that just happened a few months ago. Sure. And what happened? What was the monumental event after Beyonce got off stage? Oh, yeah. Half the lights went out in the You house. got it, Mike. There you go. So now you've got a situation where you've got 80,000, 30,000, 100,000 people inside of an area. Now, what you didn't see during the Super Bowl is that everybody that was in the bathroom, everybody that was in the concession areas, could not see their hand in front of their face. It was that dark. Wow. Imagine if Foxfire was used at the Superdome, and they had signs that told them where to go. Or on the stairwells, they were able to see each individually stairwell illuminated, each railing illuminated. And And not only helps them get out, 
but it lowers their blood pressure a little bit. There's a primal fear of the dark. It's not a learned fear like Dracula and the boogeyman, those things. Mm-hmm. The primal fear is you are born with that fear of the dark. And when I told you the story originally about the World Trade Center truck bombing back in 93, a lot of those fatalities occurred because people had heart attacks because they had to go down a hundred stories of complete total darkness. That is horrifying. If we can give them just a little bit of light so they can see each stair that they're stepping on, each railing, that's going to lower their blood pressure a little bit. It's going to help them uh, get out a little bit faster and easier. And it's ultimately going to help that firefighter get in there and not have to focus on rescuing, but focus on extinguishment of the fire. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, another one of our radio show guests, Rick Apuzo, uh, built his business selling weather forecasts. And you'd say, well, that, that's silly. How can you sell weather forecasts? They're free on the air. On TV, radio, NOAA, and a lot of his business is with uh, places that put up portable stages like amusement parks in our area, Kings Island. They want to know that when they're putting on the show at uh, 5.30 on a Sunday afternoon and they got 15,000 people in the stands that a thunderstorm isn't going to come through and blow over the stage. Excellent. Okay. And if the storm is going to be there an hour after the concert is going to be over, They'd like to make sure they run the concert. So uh, Rick has made quite a business in providing the uh, correct weather forecast for the physical location. Brilliant. You know, uh, your kind of product I could see, you know, lines on the wall, which way is down. That, and again, we're building a community. We're not focused on a product. We're not even focused on how we sell it. We're focusing on building this community because then that sports arena talks to the other sports arenas, and they talk to the university that's maybe next door, and that firefighter talks to the other firefighter, and it's, it's word of mouth. Um, I, I know one of the things I've seen around your office here is talking about cold calling is dead, prospecting is not good. You don't want prospecting. You want word of mouth. That's the way you move things, and that's what we're trying to do is put a system in place where that word of mouth spreads the, the, the message that we're trying to get across, which is we can use our technology that does not rely on batteries and electricity to help make you safer in a low-light or no-light situation. Yeah, that's, that's really unique. That's really unique. Uh, do you have something like a long-term strategic plan? Absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm, real, I'm a big believer that uh, uh, failure to plan is the same as planning to fail. And uh, we have a uh, short-term plan. We also have a long-term plan. Our, our short-term plan is making sure we have enough product to be able to meet all the needs that we've got, and, and we've, we've struggled with that. Our growth has been so explosive that we don't have enough working capital to buy all that product to be able to get those orders taken care of. Now, we, we fixed that. We've partnered up with a tremendous um, investment group, uh, Rippey and Kingston, out of Mount Adams here in the Cincinnati mm-hmm. area that helped us successfully raise over a million dollars in venture capital funding. We were able to put that money to work to start to buy uh, inventory and build up that inventory. Now what we're trying to work on is how do we go ahead and uh, grow that sales team that we have of about 100 of these firefighters throughout the country to 1,000 or 2,000. And then how can we put a system in place that allows them to be able to go out and articulate that message we're trying to get across to those buildings, to those facilities, to those other firefighters. And we're looking at how we're going to do that and then also with the different products uh, that we're going to come out with. In addition, we're doing some pretty incredible groundbreaking research. We partnered with some of the most brilliant minds in the uh, uh, physics and chemical uh, groups and some top universities to try to find pigments that instead of glow for 30 hours, maybe we can make them glow for 30 days. 
Maybe we can make them glow twice as bright as they are doing now. And we're taking some of that money, and this is something I learned about in the pharmaceutical industry. Pharmaceuticals are really big on innovation. You mm-hmm. have to constantly think about what's the next thing out there. And we're investing a lot of our profit right now into innovation, into new products, new pigments. Okay. Are you going to be the holders of patents? Is that it? Well, we do have some patents on some of the products, but I'm not a huge uh, fan of patents for the simple fact that we're a small company. If you're a big billion-dollar company and you want to squash our patent, you got 30, 40 attorneys that are on salary. I'm not going to spend the time and effort to try to do that. But if we can focus on stuff that patents don't matter, i.e., our, our, our sales team your distribution and network. our distribution network, then we don't have to really worry so much. So, yeah, we do have patents out there. We plan on vigorously enforcing those patents. But my hope is that we don't ever have to do that. We can spend our time, effort, and money on growing that network and growing that, that channel. Mm-hmm. Well, you said you have a strategic long-term plan. Is it a short-term plan for six months and then a, a longer-term plan or two years or three years? Well, we actually um, partnered up with the Cincinnati Chamber of Commerce, which is a tremendous asset for any small business owner or entrepreneur. I was able to attend a couple different strategy workshops. One of them was taught by a gentleman by the name of, of Tony Collins, and Tony talked about the importance of, of the number three. You really need three priorities. You can't have five priorities, ten priorities, or one priority. You've got to have three priorities. And those priorities need to be, you know, the smart rule, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely, and have those specific uh, goals that are out there. So we do have some of those goals that are short-term, mm-hmm. but our long-term goals are really focused on more broad statements, such as ensuring our supply chain is safe, ensuring that we're able to grow our sales network, ensuring that we're able to continue to innovate. Good. Again, if you have a question for Zach, the number is 646-595-4916. And let's listen to a couple of short Sandler commercials. Imagine you just left your prospect's office and he now has your proposal, quote, or estimate. What do you suppose he's going to do with that valuable information that you just gave him for free? Call you tomorrow with an order? Get real. He's shopping it around to the competition. Hi, this is Mike Roth, founder of Roth & Associates. I'm the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. I'm constantly amazed how salespeople operate. They believe a prospect asking for a proposal means the sale is as good as closed. Face it, trained prospects will turn you into an unpaid consultant. For over 20 years, we've been coaching, training, and challenging professionals who are 100% committed to long-term sales growth and profitability, no matter what it takes. If you're deadly serious about increasing sales, call me at 513-646-6523. Find out how Sandler Training can make you better, faster, and stronger. Or register now for our next open house, 513-646-6523. This is Mike Roth, the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. This is a message for professional salespeople. It's an unusual message. I'm going to tell you that our product is expensive and difficult. It takes effort to use, and it's not for everyone. We provide difficult but effective sales training. It's the kind of training familiar to champion athletes. It builds winners in the world of business. We don't promise quick fixes or color brochures, only hard work that will teach you how to sell effectively even when your price is higher. If you're tired of hearing, I want to think it over. If you're finally ready to invest in yourself and your sales career and learn how to close more business faster, call me, Mike Roth, 513-646-6523, and we'll invite you to our next Lunch and Learn Sales Discovery Workshop on February 5th at either 8 a.m. or 1 p.m., 513-646-6523. Well, call the office and we'll give you the right date. (laughs) 
<laughs> Obviously, when you're listening to this, you may have figured that February already passed. But there is another discovery workshop coming up. Uh, Mike Roth and Zach Green and Tom Bauer. Let, let me ask you, what do you think most firefighters are looking for right now in terms of safety? Well, and that's the thing is, is they're not. They're not. They're just assuming that, hey, I've been trained. I've got everything I need. I'm, I'm fine. We have a, a wonderful saying in the fire service that we have 150 years of tradition unimpeded by progress. We're really big on making sure our helmets look the way that they looked 100 years ago. Even though the helmets that are used over in Europe right now are much more effective, you wouldn't dare catch a U.S. firefighter wearing one of those modern-style helmets because they don't look cool. What's the difference? The difference is the, the modern helmets over in Europe look like something you'd see from a, a fighter jet or honestly something from like a Battlestar Galactica TV show. And they're really designed with, with high-tech uh different types of, of materials and the shape of it. You know, the traditional fireman's helmet is was very effective back in the 1800s. But Tom, you have one with us, don't you? We have I one. Do. And what you'll see on the helmet is there's a large brim on the back. And that was designed back in the days when firefighters wore raincoats because the hot water would actually spill off the top of the helmet and go down to the back of their neck and scald them. So they made that wide brim on the back to funnel that water off. Mm-hmm. Now, what we so to answer your question, what they're looking for, Back to my original comment, we're not selling anything to our brother firefighters. We're helping them solve problems. And the first problem we help them solve is show them that there is a problem. The problem is is they go into a dark area and they put their tool down and they can't find it. If you can't find a tool, it's the same thing as like you didn't bring a tool in with you. Mm-hmm. Another problem they have is disorientation. When you go into a dark room and you start bumping into tables and you're crawling around as we're doing in our primary search, you may lose track of where that secondary egress window is or where that primary egress door is. And with our technology, it allows you to give you your vision back and see things. And now you can reduce disorientation, increase accountability. And by those things, it's ultimately going to help you get in and out of that structure quicker and faster and ultimately save your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a product like uh, breadcrumbs that, that that you could, as a firefighter, throw out behind you as you walk into a smoke-filled building? You know, it's funny you say that because that's something we get feedback quite a lot from our, our firefighters that are out there. They're constantly coming up with ideas of, of ways that we can make things to help them out. And that is one specific thing we discussed was um, not only leaving small bits of our, our product along there, kind of the Hansel and Gretel approach. Right, right. But one of the things we do is when we find a victim, we're supposed to mark that area that we found the victim with one of our tools. So if I find a body, I'll leave my axe there, you know, rescue the, the victim, get them out of the building, and come back and continue my search. Well, I use that tool to tell me where I left off. The problem is it's dark and smoky. Can't find my tool. And what we hear a lot of people are training now is by using a Foxfire tool. When you come back into that stairwell or into that hallway and you see that glowing tool, we know, hey, we haven't searched any of the rooms past this point. It helps them to quickly, visibly locate where that last point was and continue to maintain that search. Why don't you tell our audience, Tom, what you're holding in your hand? Uh, this is one of our demo tools. This is uh, one of the items that come in the uh, Boots on the Street kits. Uh, basically, at the one end, it has uh, what we call the grip wrap. This is a application that the firefighters can put on their tools. Uh, it illuminates, as Zach said, and, uh, and again, accounts for that accountability. Uh, the tools uh, can be applied on really any, any application, wood, plastic, whatever. 
The other end uh, is the epoxy product. It, it comes in a kit that you mix and you can actually paint it on the tools. It's a permanent solution, whereas the grip wrap is something that the firefighters can take on and off of their, of their tools. And Tom, tell a little bit about when our reps join, uh, the kits they get and some of the training we give them. Excellent. Yeah. I, um, basically what happens is when you sign up again to be a part of the independent firefighter sales network, our boots on the street, um, we sign you up and then um, you, you purchase a kit. Uh, and really, the, the main reason there is is um, just so you have all the tools that you need. It comes with one of the demo tools that I have here. It comes with one of the duty shirts. Uh, comes with several of the items that you'll be selling, all the items that you'll be selling, actually. Um, and then once we get you signed up, we uh, create a sales rep ID. That's how we track your sales and everything. And then set you up with business cards, set you up with an Emanate Foxfire sales email account. Um, and then we have some phenomenal YouTube training videos and then I do one-on-one -on -one training with you once you receive your kit. Um, and then from there, uh, really, it's then up to you. Uh, again, as Zach said, it's, it's really up to you going out and visiting your local fire stations. Um, I spend a tremendous amount of time, and Zach does as well, on the road. And uh, we work a lot with, uh, with our boots guy. I'm leaving here today, going up to Pennsylvania, and working with one of my boss guys up there tomorrow. So Yeah, it's interesting. During when you were speaking, we flipped off the lights in here. Even though the studio wasn't completely dark, your uh, your tool glowed real well. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's always interesting when when uh, when we go in and visit these fire stations. Um, it, it's what's interesting is you go in and you and as Zach said, you really don't want to. We don't train these guys to sell anything. We just want them to to take the firemen into a, and, and fire ladies into the into the room and just show them. The, well, you're, you're dealing with that repressed pain, the fear of the dark, right. and the right. answer. Uh, insane, in normal, sane people. Pain is always repressed, yeah. and you're, yeah. you're bringing it out and making them discover it. Yeah. Uh, I think we we still have time to, to this question, Tom. Uh, perhaps you could share. We have a, a theory of operation here that simple solutions to complex problems are invariably wrong. So maybe you could share with our listeners a complex problem that you solved with a complex solution that might be applicable to other businesses. Sure. Yeah. The one of the issues that we find is is this whole idea of, of disorientation. And disorientation is just not something that's simple, that, that turn the lights off and get disoriented. We have multiple senses. As you start to take away those different senses, your risk of disorientation increases. There was actually a study done by the military where they looked at it. When you start to lose um, multiple senses, your risk of disorientation doesn't in, uh, increases actually exponentially. And so what we try to teach our, our representatives is that disorientation is a complicated problem. First thing we have to do is break down the causes of disorientation. Now, there's certain things we can't get rid of. So when we go into a fire, we wear very big, bulky gear and gloves. One of our uh, items that we'll lose is our, is our sense of touch, our, our acuity, our, our, our dexterity. Can't do anything about that. But what we can do something about it is your vision. And we talk about that, that downward spiral that occurs of disorientation. If we can give them some light to allow that vision to come back, it's not just reducing their vision, but it's reducing that downward spiral that occurs. And when we can separate that downward spiral, that helps. Because what happens is when a firefighter gets disoriented, they lose track of where they are. When they lose track of where they are, they lose track of how they get out. When they lose track of how they get out, they lose track of time. And when they lose track of time, they run out of air. And when they run out of air, they die. It's as simple as that. How many firefighters are affected by this disorientation every month? Well, we lose about 100 firefighters a year on average over the last decade. Now, the vast majority of the firefighters we lose, believe it or not, is has nothing to do with fire. It has to do with our diet and our exercise. It's heart attacks. The second leading cause of death for firefighters outside of, of heart attacks is motor vehicle accidents. 
either us responding to the station or getting in a wreck in the fire truck. But one of the other things that happens down there is disorientation is one of those top five, top ten killers of firefighters that occur. And again, they don't die of disorientation. They die of that result of what disorientation causes, which is all the So if I asked 100 random firefighters uh, from around the country, have you ever been disoriented in a fire uh, building? How many of the hundred would admit that they, they have been disoriented? Well, if they're being truthful, and they're not trying to I be did a, let's, let's pretend we're going to do the study anonymously, right. so even Marines would give us the right answer. I would say 100 out of 100. 100 any, out of 100. Any firefighter. Now, the only people that wouldn't are the firefighters that are firefighter name only, and they actually don't go into dark burning buildings. Um, those people probably would not say that. But okay, if, the guy who drives the truck or operates the ladder. Or, or somebody that maybe works at a station that just doesn't see a lot of fire. Okay. Um, but I will tell you, from guys from FDNY to the Detroit Fire Department to some of the busiest fire departments you'll find, they all get disoriented. They learn how to deal with it. They learn how to accept it. But, again, what we're trying to do is, is offer them a solution to get disorientation. Mm-hmm. So have you sold any product to the Cincinnati Fire Department? Every single member of the Cincinnati Fire Department uses our products. Really? Every single one of them. That's great. Uh, perhaps uh, we, we do have time. You can give uh, a quick leadership tip. Well, I'm a big fan of of, of, of leadership, and, and I think people misuse the word leadership a lot. Leadership and management are two very different things. Management is doing things right. Leadership is doing the right things. And what I mean by that is a manager is someone that has a checkbox, and they make sure that everything's being done. But leaders inspire. Leaders motivate. Leaders get you to do the right thing when they're not there, and, and they're able to inspire to do that. And I think one of the greatest leaders I know in, in our time is, is, is Theodore Roosevelt. And there's multiple quotes that Theodore Roosevelt gives on, on leadership that are just really impactful. But the one that really sticks with me is, is talking the importance of, of decision-making and forward progress. And the quote that really is a driving force in me starting the company is, when you're faced with a monumental decision, the best thing to do is the right thing. The next best thing to do is the wrong thing. But the worst thing to do is to do nothing. And I always say that even in sales, even if you're telling the wrong information, just continue to keep moving forward, continue to engage that customer, continue to to try to break down those doors because when you sit back and do nothing, there's very few people that actually knock on your door and say, hey, can I buy this? Can I go ahead and do this? Yeah, Sam, I had a, it's got a system of rules, and uh, one of the rules is be a fast decision maker. And we, one of the things that we teach to our clients is uh, practice it in a restaurant when you're going out for lunch or a place that you've never been to before. From the time you, you are handed the menu, you have 30 seconds to place your order. Become a decision maker. And practice in making decisions. Make sure a better decision maker, better leader. I think there's a lot of uh, strategy uh, that a, a leader has to bring to his organization. Uh, tactics that might come from management. Correct. Good. I think we have time for one more question here. You, you've mentioned that you're doing a lot of things on the Internet. Uh, are you doing that with your own internal staff or are you using an outside uh, search engine optimization company? You can absolutely master the Internet yourself in five to ten minutes a day tops. It's all about engaging that community that's out there. And we empower all of the people that work at our company to update Twitter, to update Facebook, to go ahead and write blogs about your experience to make people feel like they're part of that community with us. And what we typically tend to do with, with Facebook is we don't say buy our stuff, buy our stuff, buy our stuff. 
we put out fun motivational pictures about firefighters. One of the posts we had on today was a picture of a dog. We asked people to, if they have a dog, what kind of dog do they have? We're trying to engage them and feel that they're part of this community. And then after every five or ten of those posts, we'll say, hey, we're offering a 20% discount right now on the helmet bands. So that way, again, we're not talking to them. We're talking with them, and we're using social media to do that. So you're using all 100 of your trusted advisors to write blogs so you can have 100 times the one or two blogs that you guys might do. That's correct. Not just blogging, but they have their own Facebook page. They constantly upload pictures when they go to different departments. We collect patches. We really like to see them out on the road and get pictures of all the other firefighters that are out there talking to and selling, you know. 40,000 firefighters are using our products. Um, it doesn't seem like you go out there and you see pictures of five of them here and ten of them there. You start to get the understanding of what an impact uh, M.A. Foxfire is having. Great. Guys, I want to thank you for being on the show today. I'm going to give each one of you a copy of uh, Sandler's first book, you can't, teach, te- you can't Teach a Kid to Ride a Bike at a thank Seminar. You. Thank you. Uh, and there should be a training pass and a calendar in each book. And... Uh, Thanks again for for joining us on the show. Scott, why don't you take it away? Thanks for listening. This program is the property of Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, Inc. The show may be distributed only with written permission and then only in its entirety. If you have any questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. 